Welcome to the Excel Still More podcast. I am your host, Chris Emerson. I'm here to encourage you in your walk with God. Thank you for joining in. Today's podcast is sponsored by Cunningham Financial Group. John Cunningham is a friend of mine and a brother in Christ, and he can help you with financial decisions and future planning. He's been a big help to me and my family, and I commend him to you. You can reach him at 205-913-1720. I am so thankful you're here, so let's get started. Welcome back to the fourth episode of 2021. It is important for you and me to get this year started right. I wanted to take all of the episodes in the month of January and give you some action terms that can help you build a vision for the year. As you've heard me say many times, everybody wants to get better. Very few people actually know what better looks like. What is a better version of you? How would you be different at the end of this year if you had grown? We need clarity, a vision, and I'm hopeful that these four terms can help, that you can reference back to them throughout the year. And if you did nothing else this year except grow in these four things, it would have the potential to change enough relationships in your life to change your level of commitment to make it the best year you've ever had. So let's recap the three action terms we've covered so far, and then we will introduce this final one. I hope you will see today that these words are about balance. We want to create a vision and we want to grow, but not in an imbalanced way that does a whole lot of one thing at the total neglect of the other. To best illustrate that, let's talk about the last two episodes, weeks two and three of 2021. We looked at the word teaching and then came back the next week and talked about the word learning. In order to grow, I need and you need both of those things. They are by no means an either or. Like this year, I will either become a better teacher or I will become a better student. That is not the way to look at this at all. The truth is, the more that you learn, the better teacher you can be, and the more you prepare to and execute teaching, the more you will learn. In the first of those two episodes, I challenged you to measure your spiritual maturity by a direct examination of how much teaching you are doing in the Word of God. How often are you sharing the things that you're reading in Scripture, even if it's with just your family members? How often are you posting about truths concerning Christ? And do you understand that each member of the church is responsible to grow to a place where you are sharing the truth in love, a disciple who makes disciples, a teacher who helps to develop teachers? It's a worthy goal and it can change your family, and it can renovate a church. But there's a counterbalance to that, isn't there? You can only teach what you know. And very often, the reason people aren't growing in what they share is because they haven't learned the things that they need to know in order to do so. 
So at the same time as I want to share things to teach others, I have to be hungering and thirsting for better understanding. We looked at the fact that even Jesus learned obedience through the things that he suffered. Experiences in his life taught him things like relatability to the human condition that he had to experience in order to understand. And I really hope that you are looking at your everyday living in that way. Whatever you read today, whatever you see, whatever you hear, whatever happens to you, you ought to be thinking, what am I learning from this? What is God trying to show me? How do I need to change? And yes, as a result of that kind of humility and growth and learning, you will become the best teacher you've ever been. All right, if you can understand the way those two words work together, let's talk about episode one of this year and how that connects to the things I'll share with you today. We started with giving, monetary, physical, literal giving, being ready to share with people, establishing a budget in which to share, giving of your goods, of your time, of your money to serve the will of God. We spent an entire episode on giving. And I truly hope that as you get to the end of January, you did set aside some time and energy and money, and you're preparing to do so again in February. It certainly feels great to give. But there is another side of that, isn't there? Givers must also be receivers. And yet, as I titled this episode, for many of us, especially givers who are growing and who want to make the most of their lives in Christ, receiving can be very hard for us. Are you one of those people that finds it very uncomfortable or difficult to receive compliments or gifts or attention? Are you someone who is much more comfortable in the driver's seat of giving, and yet when you have to give that over to someone else and just be open to their kindness, and you are put in a position to absorb from them time that is precious to them, or funds from their pocket, or gifts, or attention that now is going to be taken from them and received by you. Of course, you're not taking it from them, But sometimes that's how it feels, and we don't like that. What I need you to see today is that while giving is a very important part of growing in Christ and building relationships, so is receiving. So is becoming a person who can express your needs to another person and be open to them fulfilling those needs in a reciprocal relationship of give and take. Now again, that may be difficult for you. You may be thinking, well, the Bible says it is more blessed to give than to receive, and it is. But you know, in order for there to be a giver experiencing that blessing, there has to be someone in their life willing to receive from them for all of that to work. So often, you're the giver, but what if the person next to you, what if they need to be the giver? What if there's a blessing ready for them to experience 
that can only happen if you are willing to receive. So I get it. Look, giving is great. It's great for emptying yourself and denying yourself. It's great for embracing the greater Christ-like life of servitude. And it's great for empathizing with the plight and needs of others. I get that. But today, I need you to understand that while emptying yourself for others is a wonderful thing, you also need to be refilled by God and by others, that reciprocal back and forth to keep it going. So this became a huge research project for me. I went to the internet to try to figure out why achievers, givers and workers, find it so difficult to be on the other side of things. And I came across an article written by Dr. John Amadeo, who has a PhD in marital and family therapy, which I find really interesting here. The application of what he shares in these articles and my own personal study, I see just profoundly important for families, and I hope you will also. He breaks it down into four reasons why receiving is so difficult for some people, and I want to share with you all four of them, larger emphasis on the last one. So let me go through the first three kind of quickly. In the show notes, wherever they may be posted, you can go back and reference these. Point number one is a defense against intimacy. Receiving creates connection. Sometimes giving instead of receiving is a way of keeping people distant and maybe keeping our heart defended. Maybe for some people, the idea of closeness with others is frightening. You're opening yourselves up to a reciprocal relationship where you may be disappointed or discarded or hurt in some way. So it's better to just do good expecting and enjoying nothing in return so that there are no expectations, no risks of the dangers of intimacy. This first reason he gives, a defense against intimacy, is highly emotional, and maybe if you are an emotional person, you'll understand it. But of course, intimacy and relationship equality and truly sharing with each other is what makes home life, church life, and all life richer. And yes, there is a chance that if you truly start offering something to someone else, expecting that there would be some kindness in return, they may give little, and they may give nothing, and that would hurt if you opened yourself up to the idea of, hey, this is a rich relationship where we both are givers. Disappointment is possible, but not even giving someone the chance may be missing out on a truly rich relationship. Now, the second reason he gives, I think, resonates with me a little better. Maybe I don't see it in quite that emotionally weighted way as his first observation, but this second one really gets me. He says, some people have trouble being receivers because they don't want to let go of control. There's really no other way to say it. When you are giving, you are in control. You decide what to give, to whom to give it, 
when you will give it and how long you will give it and when it's time to stop giving it. To me, I think there is a little bit of selfishness involved in this point. I decide what to give and when, and I get to move people and affect them and feel rewarded by that, but it's all on my schedule. He suggests in the article, and I think he's right, that for some of us, this can make giving and sharing more of a box-checking session. It's not about building closeness and richness. It's about saying, check, there you go. I'm a giver. And then we move on to something else. But again, friendship is not about control or boxes. It's about shared affection and some level of vulnerability. You have to be open to random acts of kindness that are not on your schedule that may be done for your benefit, and you have to be open to receiving them whenever the other person decides. And while that may be uncomfortable, firstly, it is important for them to do. You are allowing them to be a giver, and that matters. And secondly, I can't think of any marriage or any other relationship on earth where it flourishes when one person always has to be in control. The third thing on the list is fear of strings attached. And I think this has probably had an effect on all of us. This idea that if I let them do something nice for me, now I am responsible to do something nice for them. Or they are doing something kind for me because I've already done something nice for them. And so now it's my turn again. And it becomes this strings-attached, merit-based obligation business, and nobody enjoys that. Dr. Amadeo mentions that people who feel that way may have, in their youth, only been rewarded by their parents when they had done something good, like gotten a base hit or good grades, or in order to get something back from them in the future, instead of just an act of love because of who they are. No strings attached. I think that just recognizing things like that from my past can really help a lot. I just have to understand that everybody in my life is different. Some people are big gift givers. Some people aren't. And no one in a good relationship, no one is keeping score. I'll give you a quick story on that that does not make me look good. My best friend on earth growing up is named Michael. Great guy. Every year on my birthday, he sends me a gift. Every single year. I think I've probably remembered to send one on his birthday maybe once or twice. We've known each other for nearly 30 years. That's just not my love language, I guess. So why does he keep mailing them? And why do I keep sending him thank you texts without feeling bad about it? Because that's who we are. And that's how our relationship works. And while I need to do better, I'm usually more comfortable in trying to do better and give in different ways. Okay, as I say that out loud, I'll go ahead and let you know, his birthday is in March. Somebody remind me to send him a gift. I know it would make him feel good. All right, so the fourth observation in the article is the one that I had in my mind going into the research, and I want to spend an extra minute or two on that, and it's simply this, just generically a negative view of receiving. Maybe you've been raised to look at people who receive as selfish, as people who are not willing to work. You've probably seen people in your life who are always taking and never giving. You've seen people in society and governments 
where it's all based on free things and people won't work. And look, those are real problems with people and with society. And maybe you think, look, if I let people do nice things for me or I actually ask for help, they're going to look at me like one of those people and that's not who I am. And I would echo that. That is not who you are. There is no one listening to the Excel Still More podcast who is simply a taker who is looking for a way to get freebies handed to them. You're listening to this program because you want to grow. You want to be a producer. You want to get better. So stop seeing yourself as someone who would look like a beggar if you received something from someone else. That's not who you are. But I do need you to see that a willingness to receive without feeling some self-deprecating negativity is important in your growth. Does that make sense? I'd like to say it in two or three different ways, but time's running short. You are an achiever, a self-evaluating worker. For that person, there is no shame in receiving. And as I said in the intro, you may even need that as a part of your personal development. Here's a great example. Remember how I quoted earlier, it is more blessed to give than to receive? The Bible says that. It's in Acts chapter 20, and the Apostle Paul was addressing elders in a church. He's telling them that they should get more joy in helping the weak than what they receive from them. But check this out. In later letters, that same author said that elders are worthy to receive honor, double honor if they are someone who is teaching others. They are worthy to receive wages for their work if a church decides to do so, and they are worthy to be honored and appreciated for what they do. Do you see that? The chief givers in the church are also, by God's design, to be receivers of support, encouragement, and help. So listen, I want you to do a couple of things this week. First of all, obviously, if someone wants to do something kind for you, be open to that and have an attitude that understands it. But also, I want you to express your needs to someone in your life. Don't be fearful of intimacy. Don't be addicted to control. Don't be worried about some string that's attached. And put away negative views on receiving. You may just find that that person has been waiting for you to express these things. You may find that it unlocks the giver in them that God has been expecting all along. You will be vulnerable in that moment. But in those moments can come the greatest reward. Express your needs. Open yourself up to the kindness of others, even though sometimes receiving is hard. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you enjoyed the program, please remember to share with your family and your friends. Also, you can go to excelstillmore.life to sign up for emails, order the three-month journals, or just catch up on old episodes. So until next time, let me leave you with this. Whatever you choose to do today in the name of the Lord Jesus, excel still more.